Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, June 7th, and we're doing yet another IPO show. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com's Dan Klein. Dan, how you doing? I'm good. It is uh, 88 degrees and cloudless here, so like I, I may literally just burst into flames when I walk out of, out of the office here. It's a good thing you're indoors while we're taping. I wouldn't want any spontaneous combustion going on and having it recorded for our dear listeners. I don't know. I think that might be just the kind of stunt we need to get our YouTube channel going. <laughs> that might be the most listened to episode were it to happen. I see Austin Morgan smiling behind the glass in agreement. Um, Dan, it's pretty toasty here, too. In DC, it's particularly toasty if we're talking about the tech IPO market. And there have been some pretty big names that have gone public so far or announced intentions to go public so far in 2019. There's one that may have kind of slipped under the radar. It's a company that's been around for a little bit, but it's been kind of a niche internet company. So you mentioned before that this company, Fiverr, started as sort of a gimmick. And it was exactly that. When Fiverr launched, it was literally like a dollar store. Everything costs $5. You want a logo, $5. You want, you want an opening for your podcast, $5. It's branched out from that. And now the reality is there's not very much on Fiverr that actually costs $5. Um, but it is a very low-cost internet marketplace for services. So... You know, if you want a very simple piece of video editing done, you might find someone who could do it for twenty dollars. If uh, Dylan and I have a, an off-Broadway show we're working on, and we wanted someone to do the logo for it or make us business cards, uh, you could get that for maybe ten, twenty dollars. And you pay for like everything, every revision. It's it's a very regimented format to, as I think of it, do very low-end work. Dan, if we had an off-Broadway show, I think there'd be another five offs in front of that Broadway. I think it would be way off-Broadway. I think we'd be on the sidewalk somewhere trying to put a production together. But you're right. And, and you've used this service before. I have not. I remember kind of poking around a couple of years ago just because I thought it was so novel an idea. But you have used it for some of your side hustles, right? Yeah. Or like, so let, let's say I'm like, I. I, I really don't think, unless you really search on Fiverr, you're going to use it for anything permanent. But let's pretend I'm proposing to you that uh, you know at Motley Fool that we go into a new type of content, and I and I'm really putting the pitch on. Well, maybe I'll spend ten bucks to get a graphic made. So when I send my email to you, but there's no intent that that's going to be the graphic for the product when we launch it. Or I mean, you you know I I, I own an '80s website, so maybe. I, I launch a new section and I want to do a placeholder to show the graphics person I use kind of what I'm thinking. I might spend 10 bucks on Fiverr. But it's very rare that you're going to use something real because it, it's – and again, I'm sure there's some wonderful you know service providers on there. I've generally found it's people grinding stuff out quickly. They're using a lot of templates. It's not – great work. And it is kind of a model of you get what you pay for. Yeah. I was kind of surprised having kicked the tires a little bit before we did this show on what was there to see so many people offering services at fairly high prices. Uh, so, they're clearly trying to legitimize this platform. And instead of it being something that's a quick and dirty five bucks for a graphic, they're getting more pros on there or trying to, where they're charging $100 or $150 for seemingly more professional work. But the idea here is it's somewhere on the spectrum of Craigslist and Upwork, right? Where you are trying to get someone yeah. to handle creative work that you don't really want to do yourself. And you know what Upwork has done, and, and we use Upwork for full disclosure. It's our payment platform. It's how I get paid at Motley Fool as a contributor. Um, but Upwork has a mix of 
hey, I'll write 10,000 pieces of content you for $500. And hey, I'm a professional. I do this full time. I'm, I'm living in the US and I'm going to charge a normal US freelance rate for this, not a $2 an hour because I'm, I'm living in a country that where that's maybe a better wage or at least a livable, well, maybe not livable, but a decent side hustle, let's call it. So you can see sort of a little bit of Fiverr getting to that. And maybe with some of the IPO, they'll, they'll use some of the proceeds to go there. But this is a company that sort of had a niche and it's given its providers more freedom in pricing, but it hasn't built out a pro side product. It's not really competing with Upwork for a, a Motley Fool, a company that's you know employing or not employing, but using hundreds of freelancers. Uh, so there's room to grow here. But when you look at what they're doing now, they've been very conservative. They're 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 not burning a ton of cash, but they are losing money, and that's because their cost of customer acquisition is astronomical. You look at the net income statement. Losses grew from 19.3 million in 2017 to just about 36 million in 2018, about what you'd expect for a company going public. At the same time, we see revenue, the top line here, growing 45 percent year over year. So they they have something. They have they have something that people are interested in and people are using. We need to kind of dig into the numbers here on the the, the core business metrics, though, Dan. Well, so they make their money. They take about a quarter of, of what you pay. So if I'm paying $40 for a logo, they get about 10 bucks. The problem is they're spending more money to get new customers than they're retaining. They've grown their repeat customer business is about 57%, up from 55 a year ago. The problem is it's not an everyday platform. I, I use Fiverr occasionally as kind of a last a last idea solution. It's not like an Uber where okay, they're an ingrained habit and there's no other solution for it. So as they start to raise prices, people will use it. If Fiverr starts to raise prices, people might go to Upwork or Freelancer.com or, or Craigslist at the, at the low end. So they're in sort of an interesting dilemma where they, they might have some room to raise prices, but they have to figure out how to acquire people and get more word of mouth. And like, this isn't the kind of product you're bragging about. Like, it's, there's nothing cool about having someone do a mediocre business card for you for 10 bucks. If you want to put some numbers to those marketing costs, Dan, um, being a middleman online is a very good business. And that plays out when you look at their books. Their gross profit margin is generally around 80%. But those losses, like you mentioned, the marketing spend is so high, it is 65% of revenue. And that's because they are trying to bring people onto the platform to spend money. They need to keep those people and have them spend more down the road. Right. And, and so they are keeping people. You know, ha- having a 57% retention rate for a service that really feels like a one off is, is really good. The problem is they're not getting me to go, okay, I, I have some other websites I work on, some side hustles, I'm going to employ someone. I'm going to make an arrangement and, hey, I'm going to have three pieces of content every week come from a Fiverr provider. I'm going to have graphics done every month by a Fiverr provider. That's something you tend to go to Upwork for or Freelancer.com. So there is an ability to move into that space, but this has not been a company that's been like plowing money into new platforms. I'd actually rather see their losses be a lot higher because they're developing new tools in new ways. Um, it, even right now, when you use it, it's a very regimented tool in terms of like you're entitled to one revision and then you can pay $10 for more. And it doesn't offer a lot of flexibility for a creative process. And that's not great for a company that's largely selling creative things. 
Yeah, when you're looking at companies that are operating as a network or are software as a service providers, you'd like to see that there's strong network effects. And you'd really like to see that people are coming back all the time because the business becomes very high margin if you get those things working for you. Ideally, you get some enterprise clients in there that can help you out with that. And I also think there's a lot more they can do in terms of cheap marketing. I can't tell you never, but I am pretty sure I don't often get a Fiverr email saying, hey, you used our service before, here's some offers for you. Now, I've bought business cards from Vistaprint, and Vistaprint basically emails me three times a day. It wouldn't shock me if there was a guy outside holding a sign reminding me to use Vistaprint again. So it does feel like there's some low-hanging fruit that they're not going after. And yeah, they could grow with people. Like If you're catering to small businesses, you should find a way to offer them solutions as they become bigger businesses. And hey, maybe they don't need a full-time graphic designer, but maybe they need a quarter-time one. Maybe they need you know, other services. And it doesn't feel like Fiverr is doing any of that. It's really just a marketplace that sits there, and you can go to it if you want to. Dan, I wouldn't be surprised if you started getting some more emails after the show posts. <laughs> you got to be careful what you wish for there. Um, I, I, I do think talking a little bit about the competitive landscape here is important because you hear gig economy, and there's been so much money dumped into gig economy, uh, either private companies or stocks, now that a lot of them have gone public. Um, they compete directly with Upwork, and and this is a company that I own. Full disclosure, uh, I'm an Upwork shareholder. But Freelancer.com is in the mix too. This this space is maybe a little bit more crowded than people realize. Yeah, and and more importantly, it's not only crowded. Once you're using one of these solutions, there's not a huge incentive to go to another one if you're talking Upwork or Freelancer. If you're on Fiverr. There's things, there's limitations, there's stuff they can't do. So you might graduate to the other ones. So they're not sort of a complete platform. And they, you know, they have their customer base, and that's something that's that's very valuable, but they're not exploiting it as well as as say Upwork does, which really makes it easy to bounce between being an employer and, you know, I say employee, but a gig worker. The other thing that they're really basing their business model on is this idea that we're moving into a gig economy. And they've admitted that most of their customers are in English-speaking countries. Well, the reality is Fiverr and to an extent Upwork and Freelance.com are a way for smaller U.S. companies to outsource work to countries where labor is cheaper. So they're not necessarily getting, maybe as a side hustle, they're getting the U.S. guy who's doing a $20 logo. But anyone I've worked with has been in countries where it's cheaper to live, where the average you know, standard of wage is not as high. So I don't see this huge market where like big time U.S. Freelance, uh, graphic designers are going to go freelance and work on Fiverr. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a lot of people that are probably arbitraging, especially given that we're we're talking generally lower cost projects than you might see on Upwork. Um, and th- there are quite a few people using this service. I think they currently count roughly two million active buyers, so those are customers, and about two hundred and fifty thousand sellers of so people that are working and, and providing services. And does that services. ratio seem crazy off to you? It does seem a little high. <laughs> yeah, it does seem a little high now that I think about it. Because are, are you getting what eight forty dollar jobs a year? Like it doesn't, it just doesn't seem to to play out. And and maybe there are power users. Like maybe I'm not typical in only using it a few times a year. I'm 
sure there are people that are going to Fiverr 20 times a day because they they own a bunch of businesses or they need a bunch of cheap graphics. And there's obviously channel expansion. That's something they cited a lot of times too. They can grow into other areas. But again, it's a limiting platform. Like if, if we need a theme song for our, as you said, off, 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 off Broadway <laughs> show for the commercial, well, if you, you can get that done on Fiverr. But if you don't like it, there's not much you can do about it. So it's probably not the way you're going to go about it. Uh, again, they say a hundred billion dollar opportunity, and maybe, but it's still going to be at at low prices, which makes it very hard to make money. We've been a little bearish on this company so far. I do want to highlight a couple of things. Um, the gross profit margin I mentioned before, that eighty percent, that says to me that. Once they, if they ever work out their marketing ex- expenses, there is a, probably a profitable business here. I mean, it, it hinges on them ultimately bringing those costs down and being able to scale their business a little bit better. But when you start off with something that has an eighty percent gross profit margin, the potential is there. And I, and I also think it's worth focusing on here. They have about thirty-five million in cash and equivalents, another ten million in bank deposits. Long-term debt is only five million, and the short-term debt and payables is only about twenty million. So this is not a super levered business that is looking to pay down debt. They have a net cash position, which you want to see. And an IPO helps your marketing. I mean, in many ways, this is a stunt IPO to get a lot of attention. They, it's not that they don't need the cash, but they they haven't been a high cash burn. They probably could have raised money privately. So if they get more eyeballs and they figure out a little bit of development, some of this money has to go into having a payment platform like Upwork does, having sort of more professional solutions that can be set it and forget it, but can also be a marketing tool. Hey, I'm using Upwork once a month, or I'm using Fiverr once a month for this recurring freelance relationship. I wonder what else I can do while I'm sort of tweaking that. So there's absolutely potential here. And it's just been a very carefully run business, almost too careful. I've been a little curious why they're going public, frankly. Um, you look back at their funding rounds as a private company, and they've raised a little over $100 million, but their last raise was in 2015. And you look at a lot of the other private companies out there, they've been consistently raising money, whether it's once or twice a year, to fuel what's going on. You look over at the use of proceeds from the prospectus that we've been talking about, and they say the principal purpose of this offering is to obtain additional working capital and to create a public market for our ordinary shares. And and so there's a little bit there where like okay we will raise some capital but it kind of seems like this is a liquidity event to me Dan yeah so you see so it's funny I hadn't put put those dots together and then you said it on Slack and yeah there's a lot of people here probably who have their net worth tied up in this company so it's a good thing to let them get some of that money out and I'm fine with that but I don't like that they're not saying. We're going to invest heavily in the platform, or we are going to invest in building a better marketing platform so we can cut that cost in half, which would make us profitable. So it, that is a little bit of a red flag. Yeah, and 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 I look at this company and I look at their biggest competitor, Upwork. Upwork's top line is about three to four times Fiverr's, and it is a one point six billion dollar company right now. You look at some of the valuation numbers that have been thrown out there. We don't know exactly where Fiverr will be going public. We still have to wait and see on that. But I've seen numbers between 800 million and 1 billion. That seems a little rich for me based on the fundamentals of this business. It's very rich, and Upwork has enterprise customers. They, they, I mean, you know, we're a fairly major customer. They have other people like us that are that are using it for for very large operations. Um, and Fiverr doesn't have that. They, they've now, on one hand, Fiverr's built out a community of very small time users that are going to stay there. But 
I don't see them having the same value. Sort of 10 small customers does not equal one big customer. Yeah. For me, this does not immediately seem like something that's investable. But there are the bones of something pretty interesting here. It's just a matter of whether management can make that happen. I would rather watch it happen for a couple quarters, especially given that we don't even know the valuation yet, and then kind of make that decision. Yeah. And, and, and look, I look at this and say, this would be a good business to work at, <laughs> I believe, in their future. I think that the sort of conservative model is a is going to get them to profit. And in some ways, maybe 10 years from now, that's going to be a very valuable thing as some of these fast spenders make a mistake and burn out. But I'd like to see a little bit more aggression. You know, ha- put them put some money into the platform, put some money into lowering your costs, and don't don't crawl quite as much if you're going to be have an IPO. Dan and I'm curious, Austin, any working titles for that off, 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 off Broadway production that we'll be putting out? <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to be based around mostly you human beatboxing. So <laughs> I, I haven't figured out my part of it. I'm probably just going to like, I don't know, stand with signs with words on it. I, Austin, you got any ideas? I don't have any ideas, but I can tell you one thing. I'm not filming it for 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're in it. You're in the background just like slow cooking some some meat for the after party. There you, like, go. There you go. My my working title right now and this is based on the way that Austin is dressed today because it is a summer Friday is uh the Hawaiian shirt monologues. We'll see, we'll see if that sticks, but that's our working title for right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure I could pull off a Hawaiian shirt, Dylan. <laughs> well, you never know. That could help on YouTube too. Uh Dan, thanks for hopping on today's show. This was a silly one. I appreciate it. <laughs> Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say hey, you can shoot us an email over at industryfocus@fool.com or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes, or like I said, you can catch the videos from the podcast over on YouTube. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass today. For Dan Klein, I am Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!